Happy October. Get jazzed for Halloween. At the very end of this episode is the biggest giveaway Birth Story Podcast has ever done in partnership with Expecting and Empowered. Today's episode is with Amy. Amy and Crystal are sisters, and they are the gurus behind the Instagram, Expecting and Empowered in the app. I mean, it's such a phenomenal resource. So I interview Amy today about her three birth stories. We really focus on her third one, and we really talk about in her postpartum period how Expecting and Empowered came to be. Do you guys know about it? Or have you downloaded the app? Do you follow them on Instagram? Okay, let's just get right into this episode and stick around all the way to the end so that you can be part of our big giveaway. Let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions birth story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Okay, just a little something before we get started today. And that is, what happens if you don't take Birth Story Academy? So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the Birth Story Podcast. And you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like... Do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know. Do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions, pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition, and like we get into it. We make birth plans, we do birth visions, we listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations, and like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences, how to take care of your baby. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan, right? Like I want to be your teacher. I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth. 
and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. Like I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, like wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy and you are ready to crush that birth, right? Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Amy, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start off with expecting an empowered and all things like mompreneur. If you do not know Amy and Crystal from Expecting and Empowered, can you just share a little bit, Amy, about who you are and what you do? Of course. So my sister Crystal and I both went through our first pregnancies at the same time. And what we realized from that is how demanding pregnancy is on the body. So to give you a little background, Crystal is a physical therapist. She specializes in women's health and I am a nurse, a doula, but that all came much later, but we were both in the industry of exercise during pregnancy at the time we were pregnant and we found it so hard to do ourselves. You know, we had the certifications, we had the skill, we had the knowledge and the translation of actually doing that while you're pregnant, we found to be really challenging. So what we decided, I remember I was at the gym, I was postpartum, I was driving back And I called my sister and I said, Crystal, there has to be a better way. Like there has to be an easier roadmap for women to follow when they're pregnant and postpartum so that they stay healthy, so that they heal well, so that they, there's a lot of things that happen during pregnancy. Of course, not everything is preventable, but there are a lot of aches and pains that are preventable if you set your body up right. So that we laugh now because all it took was that one phone call. She said, yes. She's like, yes, let's do it. We didn't know how much work it was going to be. It's honestly been such a journey. We've been in business five years now. We've helped so many women. Our favorite email or direct message is, I cannot tell you how much this helped my pregnancy. A lot of times moms will use it on their second pregnancy. So we wish we would catch people the first time, but they went through their first pregnancy. They had all these aches and pains. They didn't have maybe a good experience. And then the next time they're like, I have to do something different. And then they use our program, our app. And they're like, man, I cannot tell you how different that was. So that's our passion. We do a lot of education, just like you, like we're in the business of educating women. We want them to know their choices. We want them to know, like we're huge on cesarean section recovery, which does not get enough airtime. Like people don't talk about it. We have three highlights full of free information so that just women understand what they should know about recovery. So long story short, I'm sure you guys can hear my passion, but we just are in the business of making pregnancy and postpartum better for women. Yeah. Well, as I think before we started recording the podcast, Amy and I were chatting and you guys know I have so many doula clients, a hundred private doula clients per year, and they are all instructed on day one. So they hire me when they are five weeks pregnant. We go on a pregnancy journey with them as a concierge practice. 
And part of the instructions is to be part of the expecting and empowered community and to really go through these guides. And then in our postpartum guides, you are first things first. It is like we are, you guys are highlighted. You are linked. Like you have to follow this account. And if our clients end up in a cesarean section and we have a separate cesarean section recovery guide, of course, for our private Mm -hmm. clients, then it, you are directed again to expecting an empowered C-section recovery. And you alluded to your app. It's incredible. Could you share a little bit more about your app, Amy? Yeah. So when we started five years ago, we started with PDFs. We were just, you know, we were both moms, the investment to even start a business for us, like that's kind of what we could afford to do. And then along the way, we've had so many amazing customers and they kept saying like, oh man, I just wish these were videos. I wish this was easier to use. And we heard that and we wanted to serve our clients. And so about a year ago, so maybe two years ago, we finally had like the capital to be like, we can do this and we can do this well. So we hired a developer and he turned both of our signature products, which is the pregnancy guide and the postpartum guide into this video workout app. So the model is on the screen doing exactly what we're asking you to do. So it's really easy. Even if you're not that familiar with exercise, you can do it because you'll be able to follow along. It's also like at your own pace. So we say 12 reps and the model's doing it, but you get to take as long as you need to, to do those and then move to the next one. So those things are all on there. And then the cool thing about our app is that we just continue to enhance it. So we have yoga coming out. We have a core series, which we're a business. We've never been a business that promotes like a bounce back. We are really in the business of helping women heal so that they can feel good in their bodies. They don't have symptoms like leaking or these other things that can come after babies. So we really want women to feel confident in their body. And like, if you were a runner or you loved something like that before you were a mom, it's our main goal to get you back to whatever you want to do. So in the app, you'll find a ton of things. And and like you said, like with our C-section postpartum part of the app, it tells you every single thing to do starting on day one. But on day one, of course, we're not having you work out. We're saying, okay, you need to ice every 15 minutes, you know, or I'm sorry, excuse me. You need to ice for 15 minutes at a time. And we just lay out your recovery. Of course, you don't have to do it a hundred percent, right? But like, we're just giving you easy information on what you could do for the most optimal recovery. And for those of us birth workers that are working like directly with private clients, this is such a valuable resource because we have this special relationship and our clients really trust us. So any of the doulas out there listening, like I know there's a ton of my listeners that are in the doula community, I really encourage you to add Expecting and Empowered to your resource list and really be kind of directing your private clients. If you're a first-time birthing person, second, third, fourth. I mean, I think, Amy, that's a really important thing about what Expecting and Empowered is doing is like, you kind of don't know what you don't know on your first time. And then a lot of times on like the second, third, fourth time, 
you're really, really focused on the exact type of experience that you want. And that's why the name of your company is amazing because now you're expecting and you're empowered, which sometimes on our first birth, we're just expecting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It takes us a little while to get into our power. So today we're going to share about your third birth story, which was a little bit more difficult than you anticipated for it to be. But before we just dig into that birth story, I want to talk about that moment five years ago. So like, where do you and Crystal live? We both live in Wisconsin. Crystal is in Dousman and I'm in Wanakee. Okay. Is that close to each other? Yeah. Yeah. I know people are like, what? (laughs) First of all, Wisconsin throws a lot of people off, but then yeah, they're about, it's about an hour away from each other. Okay. Do you know where Oconomowoc is? Yeah. That's Crystal has a private physical therapy clinic in Oconomowoc. Oh, okay. That's where my husband was born. My ex-husband. Oh my gosh. That's where my ex-husband was born. And so we're actually taking a trip to Oconomowoc in October of 2022. So I don't know when this podcast is going to be listened to, you know, all over, but I'm so excited to go to Oconomowoc. So I may call you and Crystal when we're up there to see if we can have a cup of coffee. That would be fun. We should. We, I totally would do that. So here you are and you guys are pregnant. Did you plan to get pregnant around the same time? Like, did you kind of joke about it? No, I remember I was pregnant at her baby shower. She was you know, further along than I was. And I didn't tell her cause I didn't want to steal her thunder. Yeah. Um, but so we sweet. had both, like we had both gotten married the year before. So I, d- I don't think it was any secret that we were both thinking that we would start our families yeah. around the same time, but yeah, it just so happened to work out that way. Oh my goodness. This is so fun. My best friend, Amy and I were pregnant at the same time. So that's the only relative comparison that I have, but I love our like little bump pictures. We ended up birthing one month apart from each other. And, um, she's actually the cover of my book. So people always say, who's the woman on the cover of your book? I'm like, Oh, that's my best friend, Amy. But I love those bump pictures. Did you guys like, if she was further along. Did you guys ever get a cute, did you have a bump when she had a bump? Yes. Yes. I remember on Thanksgiving. So she was, she was like 37 weeks and I was probably 15 weeks. So it was very like, she was the end of the road and it was my first time. So I was barely showing, but we do have a good one. Yeah. Okay. So six years ago, you guys are in that postpartum period. And so that's when you decided to start this business about five years ago. I mean, this is my favorite thing in the entire world. My audience knows like, The postpartum period is hard, but if there is something that you can get passionate about and it can inspire you, it really helps the postpartum journey, I think, easier. Like everyone says, like, I don't know how you like in the middle of postpartum, like wrote a book and like started a course. And I'm like, and Amy and I were just talking about how I edit my podcast at night after the kids go to bed. Like my postpartum journey has been more filled with joy, having a business purpose, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And like with us, we just feel like, like I keep saying, like our purpose really is to almost like reach our hand back out to the women coming after us and make the experience better for them. So it's just been such a passion project. And it just feels like the things you go through, like I was telling you right before we got started, Heidi, Crystal has had three cesarean sections. And that was not what she wanted to have, but she does feel so much purpose in educating the next women that will have those unexpected C-sections 
after her. Like we have so much purpose in our business that, yeah, even though we both have three kids at this point in our lives and things are a little bit crazy, it's, it, you just feel so good that you're helping other women. You are. And let me tell you that you changed my business as a doula. So a little bit of a feedback. Um, I carry these little Ziploc bag kits that you guys specifically designed, okay? And in these Ziploc bags, they have all different materials with different textures. And it was from a highlights reel on the Expecting and Empowered Instagram. And it really talked about um, stimulating the scar. Could you talk just a teeny bit about that? Because I'm so passionate about this concept that you guys came up with. And then I've, I've incorporated it into my own doula practice. So I promise everyone we're going to get to Amy's birth story, but it's really important. If someone's had a C-section or you know someone who's had a C-section or is having a scheduled C-section, will you share this episode with them? And I'm going to have Amy talk a little bit about, um, stimulating the scar for the, for the nerves. Yeah. So we're really passionate about that too, because a lot of times what happens with C-section scars is the feeling there, like it just feels different after you've had your cesarean section. So the scar is healed, but people just say it feels odd. I don't want to touch it. It's like, you know, it can almost cause them to like feel nauseous. It's just this weird feeling. But what a lot of people don't know is that you can actually bring feeling back to the scar area in something that we call nerve desensitization. So what Heidi is referring to is we recommend that every C-section mom has different materials that she is going to move around her scar. So you, especially right when it's healing, you don't go right over the top, but you go around it. And so you're just waking your nerve up. Your nerve is learning how to like feel things again. And we give specific instructions. Like you said, we've, we have highlights about it. We have blog posts about it. We have a C-section recovery box that you can buy from us. And it lays out even more specifically, like exactly what to do along with giving you all the tools you need. So like, for example, we have a fourth of a foam roller in there with different exercises to stretch your C-section scar with. And so this is just like a step beyond what you're ever going to learn in a hospital, which Heidi and I were talking about. We just wish that there were more information given to C-section moms because the recovery does look different. And if you want that C-section scar to heal in, in terms of you can feel it, like it feels more normal, but then also for it to heal flatter, there's things that you can do. And we want to get women that information. Yep. So we are giving you guys some tools and some information right now, especially on the C-section recovery box. So as we pivot into your birth story, Amy, I want to just take a pause and you guys, I want you to like either pause or come back to this. We're like in kind of minute 20 of the episode and write down how to get a hold of Amy in this app, in the website, in the Instagram. So Amy, can you just go through your different handles and sort of how we find you? Yes. So the main one for this audience would be we're at expecting and empowered. And like we said, ton of free resources over there, along with the links to our app, the links to our blog, like you'll find everything there. So at expecting and empowered on Instagram. And then my personal handle is at 
Ames Kiefer. That's A-M-E-S-K-I-E-F-E-R. I kind of like to think of it as my central hub because I do a lot of different things. I do expecting and empowered. I've got a podcast called Herself Podcast, mm-hmm. much more about the mental health of the mother after we become after we become mothers. So that's where I kind of share a bunch of different things. Thank you so much for sharing like about how you grew a business from your own personal experience. I hope everyone's like really, really inspired. And like I said, if you are having a planned C-section, if you know someone who's having a C-section, really please send them over to Expecting and Empowered. If you know someone who's pregnant and is expecting, please send them over to Expecting and Empowered. Like, it's such a powerful resource. I am very thankful for you and my own business, and I am very thankful to share Expecting and Empowered with the Birth Story podcast audience. So let's dig into this birth story, Amy. All right. You had two relatively uneventful, unmedicated births. Do you want to just give us some of the highlights and then we're going to dig into number three? Yeah. So I had two amazing, uncomplicated births. I go unmedicated. My first one, I will say the, the thing is like when it's your first experience, I, I say to, to moms that are going to go through that. It's like, you just don't know. So I think if you can pair up with a doula or you can just learn more about the birth experience, I, as a doula, think that that's so important because I'll just give you a quick example. I started puking during his birth and I was just totally thrown off by that. Like I felt scared. I was shaking. I was puking. Like my body was kind of freaking out, you know, and my nurse goes, Amy, this is okay. This is exactly what is supposed to happen right now. You are getting so close to meeting him. You're probably entering transition right now, which for the listeners, you know, you're at that seven centimeter, you know, getting toward 10 centimeters. So your body sometimes can have, you know, you can start shaking, you can start puking, different things can happen. I felt a little bit out of control because I didn't know that that was like very, very normal. So when my friends want to avoid the thought of giving birth and everything that comes along with it, I say, I actually don't recommend that. Cause I think that if you know the expected things or things that could happen, you just feel much more empowered. So that birth went really well. I did give birth to my first son above a toilet because that just felt like my safe spot. And my husband was like, you know, teased me about it, but I, I was not moving off of that toilet for anything. And luckily my OB, she was so amazing. She used her iPhone flashlight at the time to just check on how, you know, the head was doing. That's where I stayed. I loved that birth. So I go into my second birth and that time I just felt so quietly confident. I'm like, I have done this before, you know, in that first birth, I also picked up like my favorite pain relief technique is the bathtub, like the warm water that knocked my pain down so much. So I knew I had that in my back pocket. The first time the nurse had to talk me into it, I was like, I don't really like to be hot. I don't think that's like, I I don't think that's what I need. She's like, just get in. If you don't like it, you can hop out. Like worst case scenario, you don't like it, hop out. Second time I was like, fill the tub. I'm going in the tub. Like that's my place. My second birth was the most tranquil experience. Like I couldn't even believe what was happening. My husband 
was such like a, he was right next to me. So supportive, but we were quiet. It was just, I was working through the contractions in the water between contractions. I was falling asleep. Like I was so serene just letting my body do what it was going to do. I, again, I tried to give birth above the toilet and they didn't let me that time. They pulled me out of the bathroom. They're like, no, we need more room. So, um, I gave birth standing up. We've never known the sex of our babies. So out came another boy, baby number two. Oh my goodness. That was my, I I don't, I know you can't, you can't pick like a favorite kid. Right. But that was my favorite birth. That birth was just, I was completely in control. It was late at night. My husband was so steady. The room was so calm. Like it was really just the nurse that, you know, was, she was largely leaving us alone, but just coming in when we needed her. I'm loving Wisconsin right now. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, this you're probably my 150th episode and I've done, but I've also attended for eight times. I'm like, I'm aging myself now. I've been a birth doula for 18 years. So thousands of deliveries at this point. And in those thousands, like very rarely do I get um, these stories, Amy, where someone's birthing on the toilet or encouraged to be in the tub or birthing standing up with an obstetrician in a hospital. So like, go Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, go Wisconsin. But I will also say, okay, so you guys, my background is a nurse. I was an oncology nurse, though. That's cancer. Okay. But what I did learn is that the patient has a lot of say. So I always tell women, I'm like, you can tell them, no, I'm not going to move unless there's a medical reason that you need me to move from this toilet. Mm -hmm. I don't want to move. And so I, I, I do advocate for myself in a way of like, you know what you need during birth. Don't be afraid to say it and don't be afraid to say it again. And yes, my practice was so accommodating. Like they were amazing, but there's also some like know what you need. Like you are the star of the show in that birth room. Like it's not supposed to be that the nurse or the, the OB has the main character energy. Like you are the main character, unless there's a medical reason that they need you to do something. I would say, you know, try one more time to say what you need. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that perspective so much. The mantra that my audience hears over and over again is no one can do anything to my body without my permission. That includes move it. I have clients all the time that text me and say like they were saying they wanted to do a vaginal exam at 36 weeks and I just kept saying out loud, no one can do anything to my body without my permission, you know? And also with with your partners in the room too, like some of the times like say I was your husband, Amy, I would have said, Amy, when we were preparing for this birth, you know, I know you really wanted to have your feet on the ground and to birth on the toilet. Has anything changed for you? And he would be like, no. And so that's a soft, gentle way of like letting everyone else in the no- in the room know, like, we're not going to move off the toilet yeah. <laughs> unless there's a medical emergency, you know? Um, so it sounds like that you guys were a really good team and that you advocated for yourself really well. Um, two questions on your first birth stories, I guess, same question, but both stories, what gestational age were you? Yeah. So Max, our firstborn came at 40 and one and Trey, our second born came at 39 and two. 
Wow. So very different gestational ages and spontaneous labor for both of them. Spontaneous labor for both of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. All three. All three. Did you start with premature rupture of the membranes or prom or did you start with contractions? I started with contractions and my contractions just were beautifully like progressing throughout the day, getting closer together. My labors, the first two did go pretty quickly, especially for a first time mom. So like, you know, you've said, you know, you get in there and they're preparing you for, you know, this could be, this could be a long time. And especially during the pushing phase, they said, you know, first time moms, they usually push from one to three hours. I think that's what my nurse told me. And so when I was pushing my first son out above the toilet, I had him out in 15 minutes. I think I took three pushes during contractions and they said that my face was so priceless because I was expecting, like, she just told me I was going to take an hour. So then when he comes out in three pushes, you know, I was like, compl- like I, I was awestruck that that was as fast as he came out and same with the second one, Trey actually came out in two pushes. Cause I really felt like, okay, now I know how to do this. Like when the contraction comes, it's doing most of the work for me. So I am working with the contraction mm-hmm. to push this baby out. And I think you know, my only experience has been unmedicated. So like, I could really feel like I could feel his head, like I could feel kind of what to do. So I think that that was really helpful. And so sometimes when we have pushing that quickly too, um, sometimes the perineum doesn't have time to stretch. <laughs> did your mm-hmm. perineum, was it, were you intact or? What, did no. It have so my first one, they, she was like, I'd call it like a one to a two. And okay. we're talking about tearing. So the grade of tearing can go from zero to four and four is that complete tear from the vagina to the anus, which is like, it's pretty uncommon. And, you know, and, really painful usually for the woman. But so I was a one to a two. I just needed like two little stitches and it really wasn't too terrible. Second one, same thing. I think I had like a one that time. So yes, it's really interesting when you get into it. Cause like, could I have pushed him out slower and maybe prevented that maybe, but where I am with birth is like my body was doing everything. Like I had involuntary pushing, which means your body starts to like push for you in my second birth and my third birth. So I don't know. I was like, and at that time, I, like I said, I was unmedicated. I'm like, I'm trying to get this baby out. I'm not really interested in slowing down. So this is what I'm going to do. And I also believe that our body is meant to break and to heal right? Like the skin is very malleable, the perin- the perineum, the tissue around like the clitoris and the labias and your urethra, like um, those tissues are very similar to the tissue in your mouth. So I always say like, you know, if you've ever chomped on your cheek and then like in the next, and it hurts so bad and it's bleeding and then you wake up in the morning and there's like no sore at all in your cheek, you know, the, uh, the upper tissues, they heal very quickly. And then the perineums usually takes just maybe a few weeks to heal. But I think that um, we talk a lot about tearing, especially on this podcast. And I've seen on your Instagram and, st- and such too. But I think it's a really important message for 
for everyone to like, like Amy just said, don't be afraid of the tearing. If you're unmedicated, your body is in control. And if you're listening to your body and letting the contractions do most of the work and pushing when your body kind of ejects that fetal ejection reflex, like your body heals. So I'm my follow-up question to that, Amy, is I'm going to assume with all that you do with healing that um, your perineum healed very easily and very quickly? Well, so the first one, I, I always tell in my experience, the first time that was when my perineum was the most sore. So like, that's the first time it's ever stretched to that amount. I feel like for the second time, it was much more, it had already done that. So like your tissue had already done that stretch. I find the second time I was not as sore, but yeah, with the first one, what happened was as my OB called it, there was like a little bit of roping. Like I could feel where the stitches were like after I should have been able to, but then I got myself hooked up with a woman's health physical therapist and just learned how to do some scar tissue massage Mm -hmm. because to me, and we talked about this before we started to record. It's like, I wanted to feel myself. I wanted to want to have sex and not feel this little rope scar on my perineum, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to learn what you can do if your scar heals and it feels great, that's awesome. If it doesn't, that doesn't mean that's just what you have to live with. Like there's often things that you can do, including scar tissue massage so that that feels normal. Mm -hmm. Proactive care versus reactive care. One of the main things that I teach with my private clients is I'm like, you better get out that mirror and look at your vulva, Mm -hmm. the inside of your vagina, your perineum before you give birth. I need you to look at it before you give birth. And then I need you to look at it after you give birth. And I need you to feel your body before you give birth and then feel your body after you give birth so that you can kind of understand you're in connection, like your fingertips and your hands are in connection with your body. You know, I didn't do that. I was a little afraid and mm-hmm. I had to rely on my partner. Like I remember laying on the bed and asking my husband, with my legs in the air like does it look like it did because something I think is wrong and he was like it doesn't look like what it did (laughs) and I had a cystocele which is a bladder prolapse right so my bladder was bulging on the outside and so I've used that I think it's really important like you guys look at your perineum, like look at, feel it, know mm-hmm. what it feels like. And like you said, there are so many resources. If sex is painful, if the stitching was done too tightly, if there is scar tissue, like reach out for help, go to expecting and empowered, you know, find a local physical therapist that specializes in pelvic floor. There's so much that we can do, right? So thank you so much. But what Amy was alluding to too is I had just gotten this email from a vibrator company. And so I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to get this free vibrator they want to send to me as an influencer to talk about on the podcast because I want to encourage everyone to explore their body by themselves. You know, like, and and figure out like how it's healing and what we could do proactively instead of reactively to like positively heal. I think it's so important. Okay, 
So we want to really dig into the third birth story, Amy, because, you know, essentially you had these like very non-traumatic, very beautiful mammalian, spontaneous labors and, and very different weeks gestation. And um, so how much did they weigh is another question that I had. How much was Max? Okay. So Max was eight pounds even. Oh my God. Okay. And then how much, how much was Trey? Trey was eight pounds, two ounces. Okay. So I would say instead of having a gestational age, you have a weight, a, a weight determination. Yep, uh, the third Cole, his name is mm-hmm. Cole was eight pounds, four ounces. Four ounces. Oh, Amy, I love this. And that my voice just came out eight <laughs> pounds with penises. That's all that happens. That's yes. all that comes out of me. Has your husband been like, how many boys do you want to have? My <laughs> husband... Know? wanted to stop one child ago the demand of after they come out for him is a lot (laughs) when we taught we had two boys and when we talked about having a third I will never forget my husband going how many boys do you want to have like because I was like shouldn't we go for the girl you know hilarious so I was like pretty positive (laughs) like I don't know why I just really felt because like I said we never knew the sexes even when I was pregnant with a third I was like I just feel like I'm gonna have a boy and if we had a fourth I'm like I'm pretty sure it's gonna be an eight pound boy yeah yeah so our bodies make babies that are the perfect size for our body I don't know about you Amy I just don't subscribe to the philosophy of like the baby doesn't fit I had just in 18 years I haven't seen that in my practice. Um, I practice as a certified spinning babies doula. And so I really feel like we can move the pelvis and, and we have babies that are like, you'll see these babies, eight pounds, eight pounds, eight pounds, you know, um, and that your body will grow a baby until the baby needs to be born. And so, um, you can see that in your gestational ages. So with Cole, you said you went into spontaneous labor. What gestation were you? So I was, it was his due date. So it was 40 weeks even is when labor started. Okay. Tell me about the weeks leading up to that, because I know that third babies are are the wild card and that prodromal labor is very common. Did you experience? Okay. I I cannot even tell you how much prodromal labor I had. So this was before my doula training. And I wish I would have known a little bit more about like maybe... I don't know, like different things you can do to this day. I'm like, was Cole just like a little bit in the wrong position? And that's why I had so much prodromal labor. That's why his labor took longer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was, so at the time I was still a nurse on a very busy unit. So I had that going and then, you know, I run this business. I had two toddler boys. I was very, very busy. And so I think too, in the season that some of women, the women are in, like, like me, I was so busy that I also think that my body was just like, wow, we have a lot going on. Like here are some contractions to show you maybe slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it, but I, 
the thing was I had had two babies before. So I really felt like I know what real contractions feel like for me. They're always a bit more crampy than like a Braxton Hicks, which I just find to be more like a tightening. Mm -hmm. There were a couple times where I truly thought that I was in labor before 40 weeks. So I would have contractions every 15 minutes, like very, very steady, but it just never tipped into like getting closer together or getting like harder. But to say there were several times where like, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor that that definitely happened to me. And it was my third time. So I felt like I really was going to know. Mm -hmm. And so that was really interesting. And so when I'm hitting that 40 weeks, I always, I also believe in the idea of like the baby's going to come when that baby is ready to come. So I've never been big on like scheduling an induction. Let me tell you guys, by the time I was 39 and five, probably I was like, Drew, that's my husband. I feel like I just need to get something on the schedule because like I am, I was so tired because I was not sleeping very well because of all of these contractions. Um, so I call and then of course it was a really busy summer of babies here in Madison, Wisconsin. And they were like, okay, yep. We like our next available is in a week. And so that at that time, I just had to make peace with like, I'm probably going to be in this for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And I've got to figure out how to kind of reset my mind and just like, be like, this baby's going to come when he or she is going to come. Yeah. My experience with prodromal labor as a doula, Amy, is that it's very exhausting and mm -hmm. it kind of sets us up for this, like, like we go into our labor almost just like very tired, very exhausted. But you guys, this is what I know for certain about prodromal labor is it is doing work. So our cervix starts out posterior in the back and it will move anterior a lot of prodromal labor will move the cervix forward to a more mid position. Then it allows the baby's head to come down and efface the cervix. So, and then sometimes it, it opens or dilates. I've had clients who had prodromal labor that got them all the way to six centimeters dilated, mm -hmm. you know? So significant effacement, significant positioning of the cervix, moving it forward, kind of preparing your body, that early labor kind of preparing it and often prodromal labor my experience is positioning so um having some sort of tension in the pelvis um with your psoas um so maybe the pelvis is off balance or we never know about the umbilical cord I think that's what everyone always forgets too right if the baby has the umbilical cord wrapped around their neck or a couple times it'll tilt their chin up so then it's hard to get them to tuck their chin and pull their shoulders in and rotate their head. So a lot of this, Amy, when I hear prodromal labor on number three, as I'm thinking, you know, if I was your doula back then, I would have said, Amy, your baby has all of the knowledge. Your baby has mm -hmm. all the wisdom. We have to trust this baby that they're navigating their umbilical cord. They're navigating your pelvis and they're really trying to like figure out how to, you know, maybe not be in this like 
like asynclitic where the head's sideways or brow presenting, you know, that they're really trying so hard to like navigate that space for you. But in the interim, the gift that they give you is like thinning the cervix a little bit <laughs> and opening it, but it's very exhausting. So my yeah. tips for prodromal are like, I'm sorry, I do recommend the drugs. Like I'm like, take the Benadryl, take the Unisom, try to go to sleep, you know? What are some of the things that you did to navigate prodromal labor that the audience could could use? Mm, I really, like my partner and I have always really worked as a team. So like, I just knew that if I went and slept in my basement where it is cold, it is dark, it is my own space. Like I used a sound machine. I was like, just trying to make myself as like calm. And, you know, at the very end of labor, some, or at the very end of pregnancy, sometimes like you have to use the bathroom more. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to disturb my partner. Like I'm, I'm getting up, I'm changing positions. So I felt like, okay, you stay on this level with our two toddlers who, you know, sometimes they wake up at night. I'm going to go in the basement and just try to be like as calm as I can be. I also stopped timing my contractions. I was like, I don't think that's actually helping my mind. Cause I'm like constantly waiting for this to tip into active labor. But like, as we all know, you're not going to miss active labor, probably like right. it's getting progressive. Like it's, I'm not gonna, I don't need to time all these. It's just feels like it's frustrating. Yeah. I also had this song that I kept listening to. Um, and it, I took it out of context. Like the lyrics are not what, like what they meant to me is not what the song is about, but it really helped me. Yeah. It was the song it's, um, I think it's BB Rex. I don't know if that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, it's like, what's meant to be, what's meant to be, will be whatever. I'm a terrible singer, but you guys get the point. It's like, for whatever reason that really helped me to be like, when this is meant to be, this is going to happen. And like, all I can do at this point is, you know, have my partner take the lion's share of the toddler work, give myself the best opportunities to rest and just understand that I think when we're getting to like 30, I was 39 weeks when we're getting to these points, it can really get frustrating. And that is okay for you to feel that way. We all know, like, you're not going to stay pregnant forever. So I just really had to be like, I know that this, this is going to end in my baby coming. So I'm just going to, as much as I can recenter myself and be okay with the process. Mm -hmm. So do, are you the type of person that likes to get vaginal exams or to decline them? Oh, girl, I love vaginal exams. And I know <laughs> everyone has a different take on it. I'm like, you know what, just get down there, disrupt the piece. Like, just I like, here's what I will say. I understand that it's not just this completely linear progression where, you know, you're going to go in and, you know, say you're a four, that doesn't mean that you're going to go into labor. You know, you could hang out at a four. I totally get all that. But with all of that prodromal labor, I was like, just at least tell me this is doing something for my cervix. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love, I, I get my membrane stripped when I'm over 39 weeks. Like I, I, have my partner have sex with me. Like I'm the girl that's like, if there's anything that could help 
this baby come out when he or she is ready. Like, let's just do that. Do it all. Okay. <laughs> so at that 39 week appointment, where were you cervically then? So I was three centimeters and I really, I don't, I don't remember too much of like, I think I was like starting to soften a little bit. Okay. But you still had a week's, I mean, we, we know now yes, that you didn't yes. give birth for another week. So your cervix probably opened a little bit more and significantly thinned prior to you going into labor. Amy, mm-hmm. just so you know, like I've, I've told this story a thousand times on this podcast. Like I'm going to tell all you guys listening all day long, like don't do the vaginal exams unless you literally can grasp that concept that it literally means nothing. It's not linear. And like, you're not going to hold on to it. Like if you are mentally going to be just effed that if they say you're zero, which is your cervix's job, your cervix's job is to be zero. If you're a first time birthing person to keep closed and make sure you stay pregnant. But like, if that's going to screw you up at 39 weeks, like don't get the exam. Me, I was like all the exams. I mean, if they would have checked my cervix every day, if they I would have gone in every day and been like, like where are we today? Where are we today? I Let's go. Literally, I literally love what you said there because like what we know from working with so many different women is everyone is so different. So I almost don't like when people are like, absolutely not, don't get your cervix checked, or people are like, absolutely get your cervix checked. It's like, no, what do you want and what can you handle? I absolutely knew I could handle like whatever they were going to say. I'm so curious. I love, I freaking love birth. So I'm like, I'm just, I have this curiosity. I love hearing the number like, but I know that mentally I could walk away from that 39 week appointment. And in my mind, I'm like, I could give birth tomorrow or I could give birth in two weeks. And this baby is going to decide. Yes. I love it. So you guys take that information from Amy and I and do what you want with it. Right. Um, I used mine on my second. So, I mean, just really quick, if you're new to the podcast and you don't know my max, I my first was max. Also, if you don't know my max's birth story, I gestated to 43 weeks within just under 11 pound baby. And, um, at 40 weeks on my second, which was just 15 months later, there was, I never even had one like one contraction. No, I was like, I'm going to 43 weeks. This is my gestational age. I'm going to have an 11 pound baby. Well, I just simply didn't want to do that. Okay. And I'm a doula. And I was like, nope. So when they checked my cervix and told me I was four centimeters dilated, 80% effaced in a negative one station. And my bag of water was right there. I was like, yeah, I'm going to need you to break that water and start some Pitocin. And I would like to have a baby today. And they were like, huh? (laughs) I was like, yeah. I'm going to use that information. That's another thing. It, vaginal mm-hmm. exams can help yes. make a decision. And for me, that was a decision maker. I was like, listen, my body is ready. There's no reason to be pregnant for three more weeks. Emotionally, 40 to 43 weeks was not a healthy thing for me. Mm-hmm. And now I had a baby at home to take care of. So I knew that a healthy decision was to get a vaginal exam and to make a decision with that information. And the information said, my bishop score is very high. You'll have a baby very soon in a in a happy induction. Eight hours later, I had a baby. So, you know, if you can use the information and it's going to serve you, take it. If it is not going to serve you, bye. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. So tell me about when you went into labor with Cole. What time of day was it? 
Okay. So it was a Saturday, probably it was afternoon. So maybe one or two o'clock. The reason I remember it so specifically is, so it was my due date and I am like, okay, I am, I am really ready to have this baby. Like I want to have this baby. I forced my husband to have sex with me just because I was like, you, you just get to this point where you're like, I want to do something that might work. Like, I just feel like I want to try something. Yeah. So obviously we all know that that's not, you know, a guaranteed ticket. Nothing is to, to tipping you into labor. But after we had sex, I really started like cramping and having consistent contractions and our two sons were sleeping. That's why we had the opportunity. And it was funny because that afternoon, my in-laws, Drew's whole side of the family was coming for a barbecue, but also what I would love to say is like, I was really comfortable with that. I was at the point where I'm like, I just need distraction. I need love around me. I need, my in-laws are so good with our, our kids that like, I knew I was going to get like off of the toddler parenting. I'm like, let's just have them, you know, if we go into labor, that'd be awesome. Like we'll leave. And like, there'll be people here to take care of our toddlers. Cause I'm sure a lot of you listening know once you have kids and you have to make a plan for who is going to take care of your current kids so that you can go to wherever you're going to birth, like that's a stressor, you know, as a, a woman that works, I work until I give birth. Otherwise my maternity leave is cut short. So to have a Saturday of me going into labor, my in-laws already being there was my perfect situation. Oh my goodness. I do love how you phrase like all that love around you too. And the audience sometimes is confused about the sex thing. Okay. So I'm just going to clearly go through that. Um, If you are in a, like what I would say, like a heterosexual relationship where Mm -hmm. the genders are opposite. Okay. And you're able to have like P and V sex, seminal fluid, is prostaglandin rich. So that's one thing that softens the cervix. And orgasm, every time we orgasm, it pulls the cervix forward. So that's like a really positive thing. And then when you're making love or having sex, the release of oxytocin. So the mechanism of action of labor is unknown, but we know that these hormones play a role. And so if you are able to have sex, even if you're in a a relationship that whether a penis and a vagina are not the Uh, it's, you know, we've got a vagina and a vagina, you know, then we can still have tons of nipple stimulation, tons Mm -hmm. of clitoral stimulation, lots of orgasm. But if you have seminal fluid, use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Got you in the situation. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Soften that cervix. And I always say too, like, I'm like, no offense, but I just need you for the finishing thing. You know what I mean? Like do whatever you need to do oh too, but like gosh. get this I, thing literally, up there. Like, I, <laughs> I, I have a high sex drive. I love sex, but at the end, I really don't prefer it just because I feel so uncomfortable, but I was like, just give me your, just give me your semen. <laughs> yes. Like that is what I need. That is what I want. Yep. Yep. And, um, And another alternative to that, you guys, if you are in a queer relationship, is evening primrose oil. So all the way up at that cervix. So anyway, that's what why we talk a lot about on the podcast about having sex. Okay, so then like the evening falls, 
And yeah, so, so uh, a, a really quick fun note is that my best friend of my life married my husband's brother. I set them up. So she is there and she is like my person. And so I text her. I'm like, I think I'm in labor. And so her and I go off to the grocery store because we forgot something that we needed for the barbecue. So we're talking and like, we're just, it was just like so comforting to have someone in on, in on the secret. And of course I told my husband, like, I'm starting to have some contractions. I don't know. You know, we had been through three weeks of this at this point. So we both knew not to get too high or too low, but we're like, okay, I'm just having some contractions. So my sister-in-law and I go to the grocery store. She knows I'm in labor. She's like checking in on me. I kept it quiet from everyone else because like I said, I had been through this before of having so many false labors. And so yeah, I just like worked through my contractions. I felt very comfortable. Like I said, I always think it's so important for the mom to be comfortable. I was so comfortable with my situation. I was enjoying the people around me breathing through contractions. I did start to time them. So my two other labors had progressed it, nothing, it was not precipitous, but it was definitely faster than, than other people's labors. So my OB who I'd worked with for all three, she always was like, let's have you come in when you're about like eight to 10 minutes. Like you just go from that point to three minutes, like, wait, you know, kind of quickly. So like, let's yeah. just make sure you come in. So we're having this barbecue. I tell my husband, I'm like, okay, I've been having contractions for three hours, 30 minutes, and they're seven minutes apart now. And he was like, Amy, like, what are you doing? Like he was, his fear was that we were going to have a car baby someday because it just had seemed like they kept getting faster. So it was so exciting. Like our family just like excitedly had us leave for the hospital and we, um, we went down there. Was Crystal with you too? No, it was Drew's side of the family that was with us. So oh, Crystal okay. was not there yet. Oh, okay. So how exciting did you tell Crystal? I did. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was wondering who all got in on that secret, you know? Okay. So you, how far away is the hospital? The hospital is like 30 minutes from our house. Okay. So pretty pretty conservative that you're like seven, eight minutes apart and you like start the drive. Okay. Yes. And then you get there, like kind of what happens? Do they make you go to triage? Yep. So at our hospital, you go to triage. Okay. And so for the first two births, whenever I went to triage, I was like clearly in labor and just sent up to delivery right away. So this nurse checks me and she tells me I'm still three centimeters. Like I've made no progress. And we all know like, okay, is her three centimeters matching the three centimeters that the, the doctor had at my 39 weeks, who knows, yeah. but I had not made any progress. And so that was truly like for three weeks of prodromal labor. And then to hear, I had made no progress when I think that I'm actually in labor, like there's these times where it really can be like mentally draining on the mom. The hospital was very busy. So they were like, we cannot keep you if you haven't made any progress. And so I was, I was like, you know what, this is my birth plan with my practice. So instead of talking to the resident, I really want you to call 
you know, whoever's in the hospital from my practice. And I want that doctor to come down and talk to me. Okay. And so, yeah. And so she came down and, you know, she, she wasn't my OB, but she knew my history. I was like, I really feel like I'm in labor and like, I don't really want to leave and go back home. And so she went out, she came back in. She was like, okay, I talked to the charge nurse. They're way too busy to keep you because you haven't made progress. But what we're going to do is give you one hour to make progress. So if you make progress in the next hour, we will keep you. And if you don't, we just can't keep you. Oh my God. That's so stressful. I can't even, I'm like, oh, I mean, it's very stressful to even hear that. How do you, (laughs) how do you make progress with that kind of pressure? (laughs) I know. So I was like, okay. And my husband, he just did such a good job of being like, babe, you know, you're in labor. Like we are okay. We are, we are good. And so the nurse and the doctor were like, you guys, I would just go out, go for a walk, you know, do the stairs. If you want to do whatever you feel like doing. So it was Cole was born on June 23rd, which June 22nd was the most beautiful night in Madison, Wisconsin. It was like not too warm. It was like the sun was setting. We just, we went out and drew kept it lighthearted. He was like joking around with me. Like he just knows what I need when I'm in labor. So we walked and I will be honest, I really did do the stairs, like a workout. I work out my whole pregnancies. So like, I was like, if this is going to help, who knows if it is or if it isn't, but it just feels like something I can do. And so my husband and I are like walking up the stairs at this hospital, which is five or six floors. And so we did that. And like, we spent an hour just moving around, having fun, connecting, just feeling like, okay, hopefully this is the day that we meet our third and final baby. And if it's not, that's okay too. Like we really had to get in the mindset of like, okay, who knows what's going to happen. Let's just go have fun for an hour. And hopefully that helps. Yeah. Ooh. So you go back to yeah, triage. Yeah, we go back. We go back to triage and we have the same nurse and she, she checks me and I'm literally just in my head, like, please, please, please. And she goes, yes, I would totally call you a four, like a solid four now. Okay. And so when I heard that, I really think the relief of knowing like, okay, it's not in your head. You are in labor. You are safe. We are keeping you. We are sending you up to meet your baby. Like was all my mind and body needed for the labor to start progressing faster. So like once she told me that I swear to you, my next contractions were like more intense. Like Mm -hmm. my body just felt like, okay, now we can do this. Yes. We are mammals. We are mammals. And if we are primal and it has to be private, safe, undisturbed. And like, you have to like, know, like, okay, all the threats that were just threatening all around you, those are gone. Okay. And now your body is like, all right, let's do this thing right? Yes. Okay. So you get admitted up into a room. Yes. And all of my babies have come at night, like late night, early morning. So like 
it's just so awesome because the hospital is so quiet. The world is quiet. Like it really just felt like my husband, myself and our baby. And so it was fun at first. Like we were just like, there was a party across the street, which sounds so funny, but we could see in their window and it's like these young 20 year olds. And we're just like narrating what we think is happening at this party. I'm on the peanut ball. Like I, I love to do a half squat. Like I really work with my contractions. I breathe through them. It was fun at first. And then when it started to get more intense, I go into the tub. That's my labor move. You guys know it by now. Like I just love it. I feel like the pain relief from the tub for me is so good, but this labor, it's like, it's feeling pretty intense. Like I had done this twice. I know I can handle the pain. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good at this at this point, but this one, I'm like, oh man, like this, these are very, very strong. I'm feeling pressure. Like this is, this is hard. And so the nurse and me make this plan of like, okay, let's get out and let's get checked because she's just feeling like this is really progressing pretty fast. I get out of the tub, the um, resident comes in, he checks me. He says that I'm a six. So a three to a six, like that's great progress. We all know that, but I am telling you guys, I thought I was like a nine. Like I thought that I had worked through this. I thought I was so much further. All my other labors, like every time I got checked, I just was like progressing at such an, and like, obviously I went from a three to six, I get it, but that was hours of work and like, it just was harder and it was a little bit demoralizing. My husband says, like, I swear in the labor room when I, he, he knows our babies are close to coming when I'm like swearing. I said, I'm at a effing six. Like, I just could not believe that from my experience and like the pain I was feeling. He was like, your bag of waters is literally bulging out of you. Like, that's all I can feel. And so in the past, the two other labors, my waters broke spontaneously right at the end. So like I was complete and my, my bag both times burst like a water balloon so aggressively. And then the baby kind of just like came out with it. And so this time, so I really didn't, I I'm not against rupturing your bag, but like I had never needed to. So I was like, I'm not, they offered me to do it when I got admitted, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. Like I, I progress. I don't need it broken. I was like, break the freaking water. <laughs> like right. I am not the, get this thing out of the way. Like this yeah. is, I'm not, that was me. I, I told you when they told me I was yeah. four, I was like, break the water, start the Pitocin. I'm done so here. <laughs> they broke my water and that was truly like everything I needed. I went from a six to a 10 in like 30 to 45 minutes to the point of like, it was so intense. I am telling you, it was such an intense labor for me. Because Um, this is the first time you went through transition without your waters. Yeah. That's a very different transition with a bag of the cushion of the bag of water transition without the cushion. That's a very different labor. Yeah. It was wild. I felt in control. Like I have this confidence that like, I can do this. I am good. I am, I am going to be okay. 
my husband's very supportive. The nurses were great. Like I just knew I could do it, even though it was intense. I will say I felt like I was like a mad cow. Like I was making all of these noises. It was a wild, it was a wild half an hour. I was just, like I said, like, it's so primal for me. I am just doing whatever. That's another thing. It's like, you just have to work with what ritual your body wants to do in that labor. So like the tub worked great for me. The first two, this last one, I was a little bit more on land. I just felt like with the intense pain, like I just needed to like, hold on to things. Like I just, I was working with my body. So the, the trouble was like, once I, I knew I was like, this baby's coming out. And so I told the nurse, the nurse was newer and she is, it's a teaching hospital. So she's working with this resident and they're like, almost not believing me that like this baby is going to come out of me. They're like, you just got checked. You were a six, like that's probably not where you're at. And as you alluded to earlier, like, it's like, I knew it. My husband was like, you guys, please go get the OB because she's telling you she's having a baby. So like, you have to go get whoever you need to get this baby is like, please believe her. And so the OB comes in literally barely has time to like, get her gloves on. I'm like, my body's pushing the baby out. Like, please someone catch this baby. And so that was exactly it. She's like, let me check you because like, we don't know, you know, we don't know where you're at. She's like, I, the head was right there. I mean, he was gonna be coming out at the end of the day. It was like, am I going to have to catch this baby? No, one's believing me. And they're certainly not getting like, you know how they usually bring the card in. They're already like this and that it's like, no, no one was ready. No one believed me. The OB barely had time to catch my baby. And so that's where truly like, especially if you've had a couple of babies and you know what that feels like to be like, no, please believe me. I'm telling you that this baby is coming. And so same thing. Like she was like, okay, here we go. Um, she had also said like his heart rate was going down a little bit. And so she's like, you got to get this baby out fast. So that one, actually, they told me I needed to push him out really fast. Cole came out in two pushes. The nurse accidentally called him a she. So like I said, we didn't know the sex of the baby. I thought I had a girl. She (laughs) called, she said, she, she's, she's here. She looks great. And then I had, you know, they're kind of getting me back into the bed again. I gave birth kind of like in this half squat position Mm -hmm. that I really like they're getting me into the bed and I see his penis. I'm like, I definitely know that that's a penis. And that is another little boy. So our third little boy came into the world. And so as a, as a woman that doesn't use medication during birth, I find that the hardest part for me is the aftercares. Like I literally hate, I know it's necessary. I totally get it. Like I hate all the aftercares because it's like, I just want to have this euphoric. Of course I, I was holding him. So like, they're great at giving you the skin to skin. They give, they gave me my baby right away. Like I had him. Well, then what's happening is they're like, okay, we need to get the placenta out of course. And at our hospital, I don't know if this is like standard everywhere. Like you have to deliver your placenta within a half hour of you giving birth. 
and they're having me push. I am pushing. I'm like pushing. I know how to push. I'm like, I'm pushing. And this thing is not coming out. Of course, just like a lot of other women, like my body is also like shaking really bad, but like worse than the other births. I'm like, what is happening? Like, I just felt like I work so hard for this baby. Just give me the freaking baby and get out of here. Like I do not want any of this, but truly my placenta would not come out. She had the OB had her arm like all the way up there. She could not get my placenta to deliver. Oh God. Unmedicated. Okay. Amy. Unmedicated. Okay. Time out. Pause. This is really important. This happened. I had a 14 hour labor yesterday and this happened. When my clients choose to go unmedicated, one of the things that I like to have in the room at delivery is a nitrous oxide tank so that if there has to be a manual extraction of the placenta or if there happens to be significant tearing or something that they have the option to just kind of breathe in a little bit of nitrous to just, it's not IV pain medication. It's not opioids. It's not an epidural, you know, but sometimes it's just something that like you could breathe in if someone's elbow deep in your uterus trying to Mm -hmm. take a placenta out of you. So I don't know if they offered you anything or if that's something you'd ever considered. But when my client's plan is unmedicated, when we get to about that pushing stage, I like to have the nitrous oxide tank kind of close by just in case in the the low chance there's a manual extraction it can really help because oh my god I mean yeah. unmedicated yeah and it's funny because like I don't even really remember it being that painful more me just being like annoyed of like I just want to be done with this part because like that was a very stress like crazy six to ten like I just want my baby this is my last baby just like let me have this moment and they just couldn't because my placenta was retained it would not come out so all of the sudden my baby was also like he just needed to be under the heat for a little bit and they're trying to like deal with me they're trying to put IVs in it's just like this whirlwind of like okay And then all of a sudden she's telling me like, okay, giving me this consent of like, okay, we have to take you back to the OR. Here are your risks. You know, you hear like, you might have to get a hysterectomy. You might have to do this, this, and that. And it was just so unexpected because I had never had any complication. I've never been to the OR in my whole life. Um, My baby, I can't hold my baby. And so, yeah, they like wheel me out and take me to the OR to try to get my placenta to come out. Was it placenta accreta or was it just retained placenta? They just called it a retained placenta. Okay. Mm -hmm. So same here at these hospitals. Nothing really good as you were hearing in Amy's story. And this is a generic term, but like nothing really that great happens after 30 minutes. Like the cord has stopped pulsating. Like the placenta should release from the body. That's a natural Mm -hmm. physiological process. If it's not releasing, it's curious and it increases your chances of the uterus um, being kind of floppy and and hemorrhaging, severely hemorrhaging out. So we have sort of a 30-minute cutoff here, even at our home births. In North Carolina, the home birth, most home birth midwives 
will start administering herbs around 20 minutes. So some sort of herbs to try to get the uterus to con- keep contracting, nipple stimulation. Um, I don't know. They probably had you on Pitocin, I'm assuming, like some me- medicines to try to get the uterus or the placenta to release. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you remember if they gave you anything? Um, I like, I think that they did, but I like honestly, like was just, just kind of like, out. what and is have, happening? Yeah. And you have a baby on your chest that you're like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. Um, but at, so at home birth, we start doing like kind of herbs in the hospital, some medications and very rarely, very rare for you to go to the OR. That must've been so scary. It was so weird because for some reason I was so calm. Like I was just, sometimes when something's happening to you and like, you don't have much control over it. Like for me, like this burden is too heavy. Like I just have to be like, okay, I'm, I know I'm in good hands. I absolutely love my OB practice. Like they're trying to keep me safe. And so I was just like totally calm and peaceful and they get me into the OR, which if you've ever been into the OR, it's like so cold. The lights are so bright. I was already shaking so bad from just giving birth. And I'm talking to the anesthesiologist because in my nursing career, I do, I did moderate sedation. Like that was my thing. You know, we have to give for me, I was doing it so that my patients could have bone marrow biopsies. And so I'm like, okay, what are you pushing? Because my biggest goal was like, listen, I, I barely got time with my baby. Like, I don't want you to push too much because I want to be able to go back and connect with him. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what are you pushing? We're talking about the drugs. I'm like, I need you to go as light as possible because like, I don't want, I just did an unmedicated birth. Like I'm really not trying to get knocked out you know, postpartum yeah. now. So were they doing conscious sedation or gen like going to put you under general anesthesia? No, it was very, it was moderate sedation. So okay. I was getting fentanyl and midazolam. I asked him how okay. much he was giving me. Like I was kind of like on the care team of like, okay, it, can you do 25 micrograms instead of 50? Like I, I don't know. I just felt really passionate of like, I don't want to you to go too hard because I really want to go back to my family right now. Good for you. Yeah. And you have a very high pain tolerance. uh, uh, Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so then I honestly don't remember at all. So like, I do not remember them actually going in. I woke up and the OB was like, it went as well as it could have, like, she just had to go in and it, yeah, it just like was having a really hard time. I don't know if you call it attached or not, but like she just kind of had to scoop around it to get it to come out. And so I'm done with that being wheeled back to my husband and to my baby. And honestly, I know, like, I, I totally understand that some people really do have trauma when they go through something like that. But for me, probably because also it it did go really well. I just felt like it's okay. Like now I'm okay. My baby has always been okay. Like that's just, unfortunately that happened. And now here I am, I'm back. It was the drugs do make you more sleepy. So like they were concerned about me holding coal because 
I was, you know, I'm probably was a little bit out of it, but I was like, no, I'm holding my baby. My husband was right by me. But at that point, because of that complication, like we had been, it was the middle of it. I mean, it was like probably he, he was born, I believe at one fifty AM. So we're talking about like, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning and we're still in the delivery room and just like wanting to go up and be in our postpartum room and like breastfeed and just go to sleep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, Amy, I can absolutely see like why sharing Cole's story is important to you as someone who started a business in the postpartum period to teach other birthing persons because Look at how much this story could impact those that are listening and that come after you, right? Like you've given us a lot of tangible advice for third babies, for prodromal labor, you know, and then how, you know, it's expected and empowered, but like how many things are unexpected and how to become empowered in that moment. The one question I have as a 18-year veteran doula who has never been back to the OR for retained placenta, do you know what the name of that procedure was called? I actually don't know what they just kept saying you had a retained placenta is like their their big line. But I think that like could could she have maybe gotten it out in the room? Who knows? Like maybe if I was, maybe if I did have an epidural at something or something on board, would she have been a little bit more aggressive with the scoop in the room? And like, honestly, and, and one of my doula clients went through this. It's like, it is like, they literally are like almost up to their elbow, like trying to get your placenta out. So like, if you can imagine that I've seen that a lot yeah, epiduralized clients, yeah. but when I never so my, in the OR, <laughs> my client had it. She didn't have pain medication either, and when I tell you, she was like off the table. Like it was, she was reacting so much worse to that trying to get her placenta out than she was during her entire mm-hmm. labor. Like. The amount of pain she felt when that was happening was so much more than what she felt from delivering her baby. It was so wild to me. She was so in control during her labor and delivery. She was off the table in, in that part of it. So I know it can be really, really jarring. I think, especially if you have nothing on board. Yeah. Uh, I had a client who did it. And then on their next birth was like, I need an epidural before I start pushing just in case, you know, um, and, and that is something if you, if anyone listening has a diagnosis of placenta accreta, that's where the placenta is actually like attached inside mm-hmm. the uterine wall. That is very much, if you have it on one, it is very likely you're going to have it on another one. That's a very different than retained placenta. So those with a history of placenta accreta you should always incorporate into your birth plans what your pain management would be if you want that because you're likely to have placenta accreta again on a subsequent pregnancy. So in the show notes, I'm going to go find the name of that procedure and we'll define in the show notes placenta accreta versus retained placenta. And you guys can 
read all about it. And now Amy and Crystal are like, we're going to do an IG on it. We're going to yeah, yeah. reel about it. We're going to send a newsletter about it. <laughs> and then let me do that. And then I'll reshare all of those things. That would be great. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the Birth Story podcast. Before we go, I ask every parent what their favorite product is or service for pregnancy labor, delivery, and postpartum. So what is your favorite thing or what are your favorite things? So I feel like my favorite thing is our Expecting an Empowered app because for me, I honestly used my own product through my entire pregnancy and my entire postpartum. And I just feel like I have felt so well, like my big passion project is like, if the mom doesn't feel well, and there's a lot of different things that go, go into that, but like, we put so much focus on the baby. We need to focus on that mom feeling well and physical health is such a big part of that. So like making sure that you heal after you have these babies is such a big part of like the family's health itself. Like there's so many studies on if the mom feels mentally and physically well, she's able to be the best mom that she can be. And I really believe that. So I would say really focusing on whatever you need. So the expecting an empowered app, I always tell women, I get like the biggest, best water bottle. I have like good compression afterwards. Like I just really make sure that I have what I need so that I can handle everything that comes with a baby and a family. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And before we go, you guys, Amy and I are going to do a giveaway. And Halloween is my favorite holiday. It's two days before my birthday. And I have like a big celebration every year. In order to qualify, you have to push pause right now and write a review for the Birth Story podcast. Then you need to subscribe and write a review for the Herself podcast. You need to like birth.story.academy on Instagram. And you need to like and, you know, follow Expecting and Empowered on Instagram. Then we're going to cross reference to make sure that once you've done all of those things, we'll see who is in our giveaway pile. You're going to get on my side a copy of the Birth Story Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal and free access to Birth Story Academy. And Amy and Crystal are going to be giving away what from Expecting and Empowered? We're going to give away one year to our Expecting and Empowered app. So whether you're pregnant, you're postpartum, it's going to be the perfect plan for you. Awesome. This is going to be the biggest giveaway of the year for the Birth Story podcast. It's going to be very exciting. Tune into Instagram on Halloween when we do this giveaway. And I'm so thankful for you, Amy. And I really, if you could send your like my, all my love and support to your sister, Crystal, also for the work that you're doing to support birthing persons around the world. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. And I just want to compliment you. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Cause I feel like as we just give women the information they need, like they're just going to feel so much better in their experience. They are. 
Okay, I have a really amazing discount for you guys with anjahealth.com. So it's A-N-J-A health.com. They are my exclusive partner for cord blood and tissue banking. If you've listened to episode 88 of the podcast where I interview the CEO, Catherine Cross, all about cord blood and tissue banking and the 1,000 questions that I had, my child has cerebral palsy, from a birth injury. I cannot go back in time. It is one of my greatest regrets. So I partner with Anja Health because I'm so passionate about cord blood and tissue banking, and I really want to teach you guys all about it. Code Birth Story gives you the biggest discount that there is available, and they are committed to Birth Story always being the biggest discount. So right now, it makes your kit only $20, which essentially covers shipping. So it's $180 off with Code Birth Story. So please consider cord blood and tissue banking. Look at AnjaHealth.com. Again, it's A-N-J-A Health. Dot com. And if you are going to bank your cord blood and tissue, then please use code BIRTHSTORY so you get the biggest and best discount that is available. Thank you for being part of the Birth Story family and listening to this episode. On Tuesdays every week are doula diaries, little snippets and tidbits from my week along with some teaching and education. And then on Thursdays, we meet here for our birth stories and our expert speakers. So thank you for being here and listening to the podcast twice a week. And if you are left wanting more, like Heidi, I've listened to all the episodes, I've read your entire book, then I hope you will meet me in Birth Story Academy and let me be your online childbirth educator to prepare you for your hospital birth, no matter what that looks like. All right, before we go, don't forget, you can go to anjahealth.com, A-N-J-A health.com, and use code BIRTHSTORY for the biggest and best discount available right now. It's $180 off, which makes your kit just $20. Okay, so go. Go there today. Go there right now, anjahealth.com. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.